You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I am your host. Rootlock Radio is designed to be a course in tarot, so you might want to start at the first episode if you haven't listened before. In the last three episodes, we looked at the Fool's Journey and the cards of the Major Arcana, and how those cards represent an archetypal experience of human life that urges us to zoom out and look at the big picture. In today's episode, we'll zoom in as we start to look at the minor arcana cards and how they make up something that I like to call the grid of daily experiences. Then we'll talk about the four elemental energies and go pretty in-depth in how to understand the parts of our lives that those four elemental energies rule. It's not as simple as it seems, so we're going to spend this whole episode diving into that, which will set us up for an in-depth look at all of the cards of those four suits in the next few episodes. So let's get started. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. We've spent the last several episodes looking closely at the cards of the Major Arcana and have established that if you lay those cards out from beginning to end, what unfolds before you is a archetypal experience of human life. And when we deal with the cards of the Major Arcana, we see how they ask us to zoom out and see the big picture and try to understand where whatever it is we're experiencing falls within this narrative of archetypes. As we turn now to the Minor Arcana, the lens focuses much more closely as we zoom in and look at the day-to-day experiences of our lives. A useful visual in dealing with the Minor Arcana is to lay them out in a rectangle that is four cards by ten cards, the rows of which are the suits, and the columns of which are the numbers ace through ten. I refer to the resulting rectangle as the grid of daily experiences, because each card that you see there represents some sort of experience that we all have in some big or small way in our day-to-day lives. Now, as you look at this grid, if you're using the Rider Waite deck, you see that each card has an illustration on it that's sort of a slice-of-life moment, symbolically represented in some way. This is one of the things that sets the Rider Waite deck apart from any deck that came before it. In previous decks, these cards looked more like playing cards, with patterns of each of the symbols of the suit on them. So for instance, the Five of Cups would have a pattern of five cups. The Seven of Wands would have a pattern of seven wands. And if you're interested in seeing what this looks like, you can do an internet search for the Marseille deck and take a look at what the Minor Arcana cards look like, because the Marseille deck is in line with the traditional way that a deck looked before the Rider Waite came along. So Pamela Coleman-Smith's illustrations on the Minor Arcana cards 
were a very revolutionary moment in the history of the tarot. And they help a beginner to understand what each of the minor card means because they give us this illustration depicting the slice of life moment of that card. It would be very difficult for someone who's just starting out to understand what a pattern of five cups is supposed to denote within a tarot reading. But there are drawbacks to this approach too. The first of which is that it's such a break with tradition. The Rider Waite deck was so controversial among the tarot community because it broke away from the way people thought a deck was supposed to look. The second reason it's controversial is that we become quite reliant on the interpretations that Arthur Waite and Pamela Coleman Smith had of those particular minor cards. Not everyone would agree that the Four of Cups should have a picture of a figure leaning against a tree, smugly ignoring a hand offering him a cup. There's a lot of different ways that this particular card could have been illustrated, so as we work with something like the Rider Waite deck, we become very reliant on the prescriptive nature of the illustrations on those cards. But this isn't something we really need to worry about. Some solutions for this down the line is that you could work with a deck like the Marseille, which allows you full interpretation, or you could explore other decks that came after the Rider Waite, and there are a lot of them, and see if there are any that really resonate with you in what each of the minor card means. But for now, we'll just stick with Pamela Coleman Smith's illustrations, which in my estimation and the estimation of many other people are really quite amazing. So looking at this 10 by 4 grid of daily experiences, the way that each of the cards within the grid establishes its meaning is by where it sits on that grid. So which row it is in determines which suit the card is. And this is related to the elemental energy that corresponds to that suit. And each column corresponds to a particular number, 1 through 10, so each card is an intersection between the suit and the number, and that is where that card's particular meaning is derived from. Now this might seem a little bit difficult to wrap your head around or to get started with, but the key to understanding the four suits and the numbers 1 through through 10 lie within all the things that we've already covered in previous episodes in the Major Arcana. The four suits correspond to four cards in the Major Arcana, and the numbers 1 through 10 correspond in some way to the first 10 cards of the Major Arcana. So in today's episode, I'm going to do an overview of the four suits and the elemental energies and link them to the four major arcana cards that most closely correspond to them. And then in the next episode, as we start exploring the cards in the suit of wands associated with the element of fire, we'll talk about how the numbers 1 through 10 have keys to their understanding in the first 10 cards of the major arcana, that we can find the energy of that number embedded in the meaning of those cards that we've already talked about.
My thinking is that this will provide you with a framework of understanding of the four suits and those numbers that will make it easier for you to learn the meanings of these cards over the next several episodes, but also to have the freedom to have flexibility in your interpretations of those cards, because you'll have an understanding of what lies beneath the meaning of the card, which is the elemental energy of that card's suit, as well as the particular number that you find on the card. from our discussions of the Fool's Journey that the first four major arcana cards after the Fool are each closely associated with the four elements of fire, water, earth, and air. These four elements are the same elements that are closely linked to the four suits of the minor arcana. So a good place to start thinking about the energies of those four elemental suits is by looking at those four major arcana cards. The Magician card is the card associated with the element of fire. And if you remember, the Magician is an action-oriented conduit of energy. He's all energy and not thought. He can be sort of impulsive, and we think of the pure masculine energy when we think of the Magician. So this kind of is where we can begin to think of the suit of wands. It's this pure masculine energy that has a fieriness to it and sort of an unthinking action-oriented nature to it. The second card is the High Priestess, and she is affiliated with the element of water, as well as the suit of cups. And if you recall, the High Priestess is this pure feminine energy, and she's much more about deep emotion and the subconscious and meditation and stillness. And these are all the things that we want to start thinking about when we think about the suit of cups. The Empress is the great mother of the tarot deck, and we affiliate her with the earth energy because the mother is the nurturing and sustaining and stabilizing and grounding force in our lives. And so when we think about the suit of pentacles, we want to think of that sort of stabilizing, nurturing mother as being the energy permeating that suit. And then when we move into the emperor, we see the great father of the tarot deck. And we recall that the father is all about wisdom and ideas and guidance, the things that we affiliate with the element of air, as well as the suit of swords. Now, we like to think that each of the four suits rules very specific and separate things, but this isn't quite the case. They don't have quite the binary and separate natures that would make them entirely simple and easy to understand. So while we can and will 
talk about the particular parts of our lives that each of the four suits tend to relate to, I think a better starting point is to think about the four elements that they relate to, the characteristics of those elements, and how those translate into certain energies that permeate our lives. Because the four suits tend to overlap and intertwine and interact in all kinds of ways, envisioning the elements of fire, water, earth, and air, the qualities of those elements, and how they can symbolize certain energies that we have in ourselves and in our lives and in the world around us, will help to develop more of your intuitive understanding of what you see in a tarot reading. And another place to look will be at the actual symbol that is used within the tarot deck on the cards affiliated with each suit. By looking at those symbols, the wands, the cups, the pentacles, and the swords, we can kind of begin to imagine what characteristics about those symbols make them fitting to the particular energy of that suit as well. So that's what we're going to talk about, and that's going to help us to understand the suits. So let's start with the suit of wands, which is associated with the element of fire and the major arcana card, the magician. Now, again, we remember that the magician is an action-oriented conduit of energy. He's unthinking, he's passionate, he's driven, he can be impulsive, and this is all the fire energy that we're seeing in him. The element of fire burns right? It's hot, it can be hard to contain, it can spread very fast, it can destroy, but it's also warming, and it can be harnessed as a very useful tool. So containing fire and finding a way to overpower it and temper it is a very useful thing in the real world. We also have a fire inside of us, right? Our bodies are warm, as if we have some sort of pilot light burning inside us at all times. And when we talk about the fire inside of people. If someone has a fire inside of them, it might mean that they're very passionate and pursuing something very adamantly, or it could mean that they're a little too angry and impulsive. And there are different ways that we envision the fire energy within people. Now, the symbol of the fire energy is the wand, and when you look at the wand on the Rider Waite deck, it looks like a stick with leaves coming out of it, but it kind of seems like a stick that's not even supposed to be attached to a tree maybe it never was in the first place. So the wand is sort of this inanimate object that has a life force energy going through it because those leaves are very much alive. The wand, the stick, is alive. It's not dead. And it's this life force energy that makes the wands a suitable symbol for the element of fire. The wand can also be seen as a tool that magicians use. So when we're thinking back to that idea of a conduit of energy, the energy of the universe being channeled somehow into the realm of our world, the wand is the tool that the magician uses to do that. So we're beginning to understand that the wand energy is about fire, it's about the masculine energy of the magician card, and it's about this channeling of life force energy into the real world. So the realm of our lives that the wand suit tends to relate to are things like sexuality, spirituality, creativity, and other burning passions that we have in our lives. And when you think about all of those things, there's a certain conduit of energy happening. Spirituality is the way that we connect our sense of self with the energy of the greater universe. 
Sexuality is the way that we connect our inner energy with that of somebody else's. Creativity is the way that we express that inner energy that we have. So what we have in the suit of wands is those kinds of burning things that are inside of us that we express in some way in the real world around us. The next suit is the suit of cups, which is associated with the element of water and the major card of the high priestess, who we remember is the meditative, emotional gatekeeper to the subconscious. When we think about water, we think of something that is cool, that we can contain, something that flows, but it tends towards stillness, right? So a river, for instance, we think of a river as flowing, but the whole reason a river is flowing is because the water is trying to find its stillness. So a river will flow until it finds a place like a lake or the ocean to be still. Now, water can be destructive, it can flood or it can drown. It also has a depth to it and a mysteriousness to it. We know very little about the deep ocean. There are all kinds of mysteries and secrets hidden deep down in the sea. And as much as human science has progressed over the years, it's still a place we know very little about, which is very similar to our limited knowledge about the mind and particularly the subconscious. Someone having a watery personality type could mean that they're wishy-washy and indecisive or that they're depressive and overly emotional and sort of drowning in their deep emotions. They could also have a lot of depth or mysteriousness to them or a deep well of emotion to draw on. Now the symbol that is in the tarot for the water suit is the cup. And the cup is an appropriate symbol because it's a container that receives or holds, just like water can receive as well. But a cup can also be spilled. You have to be kind of careful with it, right? You can't be rough around a cup. You have to kind of give it a cradled, safe place for it to stay upright and be contained. And so the realm of our lives that the cup suit relates to are those deep feelings, things like love, as well as the subconscious and the mystery of the subconscious subconscious and meditation and stillness and receptivity and it has that very quiet pure feminine energy that balances out the masculine fire energy of the wands the suit associated with the element of earth is the suit of pentacles which is closely linked to that nurturing sustaining and stabilizing and grounding empress energy, the maternal energy of the Empress card. Now, when you think about the element of Earth, it's very stable and stabilizing. You know, it's what's beneath us all the time. It's what holds us up, the thing that we stand on. It's rather heavy. It doesn't really want to move. It wants to stay where it is. Not in the same way that water can flow and find its stillness. Earth more stays where it is no matter what, even to the point where sometimes it feels a little bit stuck. It's nurturing and fertilizing. It makes things grow. And these are all qualities of the element of Earth. An earthy personality type would mean that someone is maybe grounded or stable or stabilizing, but it could also mean that they're a stick in the mud or stubborn. Now the symbol on the cards associated with the element of earth is the coin or the pentacle. Now the pentacle was another addition that Pamela Coleman Smith and Arthur Waite added 
to the Rider Waite deck. Before this, the Earth suit was depicted with coins, a sort of like money. And the pentacles are coins, right? But they have this star on it. And the five-pointed star is there to help expand the meaning of the coin beyond just money and to encapsulate the other aspects of the element of earth. One way you can think of it is that if you stand with your four limbs out and your head above, your body forms a pentacle-shaped star. So the element of earth is also related to the body and all things physical. So a coin is something that we can spend in order to buy something, right? But it's also something we earn through our work and our labor. And a coin is something related to the things that we possess. It's very much of the earthly physical realm, including our home. It takes money to buy a home or to rent a home. And so this brings us to the realm that the element of earth or the suit of pentacles commands. And that's all things that are physical, like work, home, money, possessions, our bodies, the kind of physical labor that we can do. So those are all the things that you will encounter in the Minor Arcana suit of pentacles. And the last suit is the element of air, or the suit of swords. And this one is associated with the guiding paternal energy of the emperor card. So when you think about the element of air, air is dry. It moves up above everything else. It tends to rise above. It tends to be restless. And it's sort of intangible. And the things that the element of air rules are also intangible. There are things like rules or wisdom or knowledge or ideas or philosophy, intellect, words, thoughts. It's a very intangible realm that's very much in our minds and in our words and travels between us through communication. One way I like to think about the element of air is by thinking of an eagle. An eagle tends to ascend up into the air and look down on everything. So it gets a very clear but detached picture of what's below. We can do a similar thing in an airplane. So you're up above looking down and you can see it all, but you're not really a part of it because you're detached from it. And this is a quality about knowledge and philosophy and intellect. There's a sort of detached understanding that comes along with this suit. You can think of intellects who can look down on us in a condescending way, or we can look up at them as if mentors. But either way, there's sort of a power dynamic that has a detachment to it. There's not a quality there. And the emperor on the emperor card is high up in the mountains, and his paternal energy is both guiding and disciplining. But there's two sides to this. It can be used to unite and guide toward good, and that can be one side of it, but it can also be used to divide or oppress the people that it rules, and that's the other side of it. And that's part of the reason why the sword is such a good symbol for the element of air. Because the sword is often thought of as a double-edged tool that can be used for good or bad. You can use the sword to save the day or to kill the hero. So a sword has different uses and isn't always used for good or bad. It can go either way. And as humans, we try to understand everything using knowledge, and a lot of people think they can understand everything. 
But as we learn towards the end of the Major Arcana, towards the end of the Fool's Journey, this is all an illusion. So it's quite dangerous. And that's why this sword is a dangerous tool. I took a philosophy class in college, and I thought it was a little bit maddening, because what we were doing is trying to answer these unanswerable questions, like, is there a god, and why do we exist, and how was the universe made? And I just thought it so frustrating to try to answer questions that I knew we could not answer. And when we think we have the answer to these kinds of questions, that's when we're seeing the dangerous side of the sword, because conflict arises, and ideas rather than facts are fought over. People are killed or abused and war ensues. And this has happened all throughout human history and is still happening today. So the danger of the sword suit comes when we think we understand something or when we think we have the ultimate answer. Because really, human knowledge is so limited by its own nature and is an illusion in the first place. So fighting over what we think we know can be a very problematic thing. But the sword can also be used as a tool for understanding. When we're faced with a complex situation or idea, the best way to understand it is to break it down. And breaking it down is a way of cutting it up into smaller pieces and studying and understanding each of those, which then helps us to understand the bigger problem. So this is a way that the sword energy can actually help us to understand things that we didn't think we could understand. And in a similar way, a serot can cut through layers for a deeper understanding, or can cut through confusion or chaos to create clarity. So this sort of double-edged sword suit rules things like our words, our thoughts, our knowledge, our wisdom, our ideas, philosophy, intellect, the rules that we make as a society. But this is a suit that we need to be very careful about because of the inherent limit and illusion to human knowledge. And when we look at the cards in the suit of swords, we see a lot of nasty images and conflict and violence. And the reason for that can be traced back to this idea of fighting over ideas rather than fighting over facts. And this is the root of a lot of human conflict. There are a couple other ways that you can conceive of the four elemental energies. And one of them is how they each make up a part of you. I've come up with four words to represent the aspects of you, a person, that are represented in these four elemental energies. So fire and the suit of wands is related to the soul. Water and the suit of cups is related to the heart. Pentacles and the suit of earth are related to the body. And swords in the suit of air are related to the mind. So the soul, the part related to fire and wands, is where we feel those burning desires and burning needs. And things that we can't quite explain. Things that are a little bit intangible, but necessary. Things like spirituality, sexuality, creativity. The heart, which relates to the suit of cups and water, 
is where we feel these deep emotions. And relating the cart to the aspect of the subconscious that we talked about with the water, there's such a link between our subconscious mechanisms and our deep feelings. It's almost as if our subconscious is actually located below our physical mind. And that's where you can think of the subconscious part of the water energy being a part of your heart. And to add to this, neuroscientists have been very adamant in saying that the brain is not the only part of the body that thinks that the parts of the nervous system throughout the body are actually just as much a part of our neurological life as the brain. Now the body, which is related to the element of earth and the pentacles, is our physical body. It's the thing we use when we exercise, the thing we have to rest when it's tired, we can use it to work as a form of labor, and these are all things related to the suit of pentacles. And then we have our minds, which are related to the suit of air and the swords. And our minds are where our thoughts and our knowledge and our wisdom come from, but also where our ideas and things that we get in conflict over come from. Those intangible beliefs that we are very attached to are all a part of our mind. And though we can parse out these four different parts of us, they all interact and overlap with each other. And you can't quite reduce them simply to one or the other, a binary understanding of them. So a way to think about this is feelings, right? At first you would think, well, feelings are within the suit of cups, they're within the, the water energy. But there are certain feelings that aren't. So when you look at the swords, there's a lot of feeling going on there. In fact, the heartbreak energy is within the sword suit. So how is that possible? Well, think about it this way. Sometimes when you have a feeling, you feel it in your heart or your body. So for instance, the feeling of being in love, a lot of times doesn't really have words to it. There's, it's just a feeling of lightness and happiness, and you don't even need to put words to it. You don't have that impulse, that desire to put words to it. But what if you're feeling angry or resentful about a disagreement you've had with someone? Probably what's happening is your mind is racing with thoughts. So what's happening there is more aligned with the air energy of the swords than the water energy of the cups. So it's again unadvisable to reduce the four suits to clear demarcated realms that they rule. Instead, I advise you to think about the type of energy that underlies the suit. When you're able to identify the energy of fire, water, earth, and air, within the different parts of your life, you're more likely to be able to assign a suit to a situation than if you try to think about what those suits prescriptively are supposed to associate with. a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. Music for today's show was provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jurey. You can find information about both of them in the show notes. There are also notes on the Rootlock Tarot website for each of the episodes of the show. You can find those at rootlocktarot.com podcast. 
I'm also available for tarot readings and tarot lessons, either in person in New York City or online anywhere in the world. Please reach out to me if you're interested in this, or have any comments, questions, or any other kind of feedback about the show. You can reach me at rootlocktarot at gmail.com. And if you like Rootlock Radio, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio. Thank you.